To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, new episode of Eastman's Elevated here. So um, today on the podcast, I have the final episode from the podcast tour I did with Guy and Ike Eastman. So we sit down with a couple of the guys from Sitka, uh, John Barklow and Eric Gilmore, and just a great couple guys. I I know John's listened to the podcast before and a diehard archery hunter, and and same thing with Eric, and and they've got some good hunts coming up this season, and we get into that a little bit, and and uh, we also talk about uh, Sitka and, and their rigorous testing and how they find their fabrics and, and a bunch of interesting stuff in there. And Sitka is also the sponsor for today's show. Um, it's just they're, they're building such good quality gear. Um, you know, they're the original ones that brought technical mountaineering gear to the hunting market. And, and they just continue to evolve their company. I'm just so impressed with with, with their designs, their fit, um, you know, they, they really work hard to give us hunters the, the best gear out there on the market. And, and, and then their camo patterns, uh, you know, I always like their open country. And then they came up with this uh, new subalpine. And I've been using this on the last few hunts I've been on, um, Hawaii and uh, Spring Bear and then Antelope in the Open Prairie. And, and it just does so good to blend into the brown grasses, to the green of the spring, and it just seems like everywhere I take that pattern, it blends in really well. So super impressed with that. Um, over there at Eastman, so um, it's just that exciting time of year where we all got hunts coming on. Uh, I know I saw uh, Dan Picard scored on an antelope, and and uh, so really fun time of the year as I get to see pictures come in from the guys and and uh, see their hunts um, starting to unfold, and 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 my hunts as well. I just got done with um, antelope out on the prairie, able to harvest one with my daughter, which was just so cool. And I've had a, a buddy out from Ohio, Clint. He's been hunting antelope out here for a few days and had some close calls. He's down to his last day, and then. I leave for Idaho tomorrow for mule deer. So just really cool things going on and happening. Um, you know, and this is where I get all my content for the magazine. I get all my pictures for upcoming articles. And then, you know, I'm constantly writing down ideas that help me on public land to be successful so I can share for the rest of the year. Um, so, so it's just a great magazine, putting a lot of effort in. Uh, I know I've been uh, pushing these subscriptions hard as it's the preseason special right now. Um, but, but it's just a great magazine that we pour our heart and soul into as staff writers. And, and then the stories that, that you guys send in and, and are able to get in there, just monster bucks and bulls and then, uh, sheep and goats and, and antelope, uh, just really cool to read your guys' stories. And I, I, you guys are such good writers and photographers. I'm just, uh, amazed at the stories that get published in Eastman. So it's really fun to read those. Uh, you can get the preseason special right now. Um, you can get uh, both magazines for thirty nine ninety nine, or a single magazine, I think, for twenty four ninety nine, and they'll throw in a Yeti if you pay shipping and handling. Uh, the code you can punch in on the website on Eastman's Hunting Journal website is EEPSS17. Um, so thanks for the support on that guys. And, and with that, let's get this podcast rolling. So, uh, the guys from Sitka Eastman's elevated, here we go. 
All right, so I'm over here at the Sitka office. I'm sitting down with John Barclow, and I got Eric Gilmore, I got Ike and Guy, and then me on here. So we got a full crowd in this room, but it should be a fun conversation. So we're over here at Sitka. So I think it'd be good just to start off with some of the history of Sitka. It's such a great company you guys have built here and so many great employees. So how did Sitka get its start? Uh, Sitka got its start from two uh, gentlemen in California who were basically going out hunting in mountaineering gear and realized that the hunting industry really didn't have anything to compete. And so for those real harsh environments, um, kind of sprung Sitka, right? So kind of mountaineering quality clothing, really technical, uh, but built kind of purpose built for the hunter. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I just love it how this company just keeps evolving with the times. Every year I get my new gear, in including this year. So uh, using the new gear this year that I just used in Hawaii, I'm just so impressed with the fabrics and also the design. How do you guys keep progressing the fabrics and keep coming up with these new designs for this quality gear? Um, well, it's our personality, right? First mm -hmm. of all, um, just as you know, people use relentless and words like that, but really it's like our minds never rest. Like we are constantly, you know, we were talking earlier, right? So 2017's out and Eric and I are already, you know, working on tweaks and stuff like that. And, oh my gosh, we could make this better as, you know, and as um, textiles evolve and, and factory uh, capabilities evolve and just our mind space and our creativity involves, like we're constantly, we're, we're never satisfied with what we have. And not to say that we put out a bad product, like we're super excited about the products we put out and when we put them out, but it doesn't stop there. Like it's this constant, ever evolving thing for us. You know, we're, we're out there constantly testing, constantly hunting, constantly trying it, asking people, talking to people, getting new ideas, traveling to Asia, wherever we may go. Um, you know, in, in some regard, um, <laughs> it, it's hard to sleep at night sometimes because all you're thinking about is like, man, I really... I really got this idea I want to try. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's like a personality. It sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it, always thinking of the next thing and looking at things outside the box, uh, uh, how you can really improve it and make it better. But that's so cool. And Eric, you bring the designs to, to fruition. You actually build the clothing and build the prototypes that then goes into production, right? Yeah, um, and it's a team effort. We have great designers, great fabric uh, development staff um john and our other product managers just they're relentless in how they approach the pursuit mm -hmm. well and it's so awesome that you guys take you know these clothing but you'll take ideas from the bottom to the top and there's no ego involved you guys are just trying to build the absolute best technical mountaineering gear that you can build for us hunters and that's that's how i found this company when i first started there wasn't gear like that it was all this mountaineering gear that i had to to look into and research into that that minimalist approach super lightweight functional mountaineering gear and now with with your guys's company on the market it's just amazing with the gear that comes out and then in the new camo pattern i'm super psyched on so i took i sent you a couple pictures from hawaii just yeah. how well that stuff blended in um but it seems to blend in with the tans and with the greens it's called your guys's subalpine but you guys have to be really uh, proud of the product you guys are putting out there no, that new camo pattern yeah we're, we're really excited about it and you know i've said this you know before in other venues but you know it's the most extensive development we've done on a pattern yet and to the point where I started to make people mad, right? Like within the company, because, you know, this costs time, it costs money. And, uh, 
And we went through 36. So the 37th iteration is what you see is called subalpine. Sometimes, you know, I said 36 in one podcast, but it was 37. So 37 is what you see. And so I would do three at a time and we'd take it out in the field and we'd put it on our ungulate vision. We'd come back and ah, not quite. And then you get to a point where really it's like the last 5% you're trying to squeeze out of it is just, is the hardest. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took that long because we just weren't, you know, we were close. It was okay, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And we really kind of strived to do great. Oh man. Well, I spent way too much time thinking of how you guys came up with that pattern, just the way it blends into the rocks above the tree line, how it blends into to in the tree line, the tan grasses of Montana, it blends right in. And then the green, I'm just amazed by it. And then go into a little bit, you were talking about the, the ungulate uh, vision or the, the vision of the animals that we hunt is a lot. What goes into this pattern is breaking up our human outline, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it kind of comes off as real technical, but at the end of the day, you know, these, these ungulates seeing like shades of gray, basically, and, 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 and blue. And so it's not necessarily about the color. So the color matters to us because we see in color or a turkey, but, um, but it's the contrast of the colors in, in that pattern spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So you have black, which is the darkest color you can get. And then you have this really light color, and then it's it's the contrast of the colors or the shading in between um, that in subalpine's case gives a pattern its depth and allows that pattern to keep its depth even at very close ranges. And so even under ungulate vision, I mean it's it's ridiculous to see it in color, but when you put it under that that shades of gray, like it, it's it's absolutely insane um, to the point where the photographer couldn't they they, they couldn't focus on me wearing the little jumpsuit anymore and we had to have somebody in kind of regular clothes so to speak stand in front of me so they could focus their camera and get it really crisp and then step out of frame and really the the gentleman was just taking a picture of what was in the viewfinder but he couldn't see you know me as the hunter and so it's been really cool you know I've gotten emails from folks uh you know people in Hawaii people hunting turkeys you know I've been I went to Nebraska and spot did spot stock turkey hunting for five days, which if nobody's tried that, I, I highly recommend it. It's an exercise and frustration, but <laughs> but you know I was able to to get close and and actually draw my bow slowly, but draw my bow, you know, on Tom's looking at me and, and able to get shots off. And so um, it, it's just ridiculous how it works. And then so you take that and then you you start to figure out the macro micro patterns. And so it, it takes time, right? And it just takes trial and error trying to get it, you know, exactly where it needs to be or as close as we can certainly figure it out. So, mm-hmm. Oh, I had a, so in Hawaii, those axis deer are really jumpy and, and wily. Um, they're tough to get in on. And we had this one time where we snuck up and, and uh, my buddy had the same pattern on and we were sitting, we were just walking by a water hole and all of a sudden I spotted this axis deer coming these deer came up and drank five yards away from us right in that water hole and couldn't see us just right there in the wide open. It was amazing just being still, but yeah, that, that pattern is paying dividends. Um, that thing is just amazing the way it blends in both to the human eye and to the animal's yeah, eye, absolutely. but I could tell all the work you guys put into that. Yeah. When I started using it around for spring bear, I can't wait for fall elk with the brown grasses. I think it's yeah. going to blend in really well, but I could tell all the work you guys put into that pattern by the way it blends in. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah we're, we're excited about it. It's been doing really well. Mm-hmm. And, and it just keeps evolving. Like you say, um, 
the the way stuff quick dries now and and how lightweight it is i was super impressed by that yeah it's hard to get stuff that's you know you're, you're it's this balancing act right when you're trying to develop something and you, you kind of write this priority list like here's the first thing i wanted to do here's a second and on down the line and, and when you're talking about lightweight fabrics like it's hard to get lightweight fabrics that are durable you can get lightweight fabrics that dry quick and lightweight fabrics that are breathable etc but to find lightweight fabrics that that are durable and we know that our that our consumer values durability right because sick is more of an investment than anything you buy it it's going to be around for a while um, to find them lightweight that are durable that that dry quick that breathe well you know all those things like it took a long time i mean we're con it, it's really a never-ending process like we're just constantly if you go to look at my desk right now like you know I, i've got fabric all over my desk and if you'd asked me 10 years ago like oh you're going to be a geek on fabric i'd have been like no no that's not me but i'm a geek on fabric now and it's unbelievable because you're constantly searching it's on i know here at sick you guys spend a lot of time in development mm -hmm. you talked about 37 times to get the pattern just right what's the time frame it's got to be that's got to be years doesn't it yeah it's it's a minimum of two years so um and, and we talked about this earlier at launch right but i'm really excited to talk about fall 18 but i can't <laughs> just just as a teaser but the stuff some of the stuff coming out in fall 18 by the time it hits the market uh will be three years in development it's been hunted in for two complete seasons and, uh, and, but that's what it took. So some of it, we wanted to launch in, in 17 and it just wasn't ready. Uh, most of it will launch in 18 and some of it just because of the technology probably won't launch until 19 and, until we're, we're satisfied that, you know, it's where it needs to be that not just from the lab, but from the field, um, you know, that all those things are kind of, uh, ready. So sometimes we have technology that, um, that we'd love to bring to market, but the factory isn't isn't capable of kind of uh, uh, duplicating that right in, in a mass production so we have to wait for them to kind of come up to speed so that we can you know bring it to market so it's it, it, it can take a long time you know I'm, I mean it sounds weird we're deep into planning 2019 and and part of my mind is actually already in 2020 because that's how far you have to look ahead Wow that's that's a huge investment. And that's a huge, and your guys is a partnership with Gore. That's got to be beneficial to the Sika brand. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, but you know, one of the neat things about um, having access to the Gore infrastructure is some of the testing facilities that they have. So uh, we recently um, almost literally discovered this broom closet, or this guy back there discovered this broom <laughs> closet with this. With it's basically a sound booth, and so now we can test what it was it measured in zones. Yeah, zones. Uh, we we can test uh, the sound of a textile, how it rustles, buckles, and crumples. and crumples. There's, they have all these right now, and literally it's in like this broom closet. But we have you know a climate chamber that we can put. I mean, we can make it hot. We can make it cold. We can put uh, a treadmill in there so somebody can actually do aerobic work. Uh, we have we have rain rooms and. And we can schedule these things and actually, you know, get some get some lab testing and, and some actual, you know, facts uh, to either confirm what we think we're seeing in the field or to not waste people's time, so to speak, and go, no, this is out of these seven fabrics, these are the two we think will 
go forward based on testing and then go validate it in the field. So it, it's pretty cool. You know, Eric and I are right now in the in the process of, and, and I got to give him all the credit, but we're in the process of developing a brand new Gore-Tex laminate because we have a product for 2019 and we weren't, it, it, believe it or not, in the, in the entire world of laminates, we weren't able to find something to meet the use profile that we were looking for. So we're going to we're going to build one. Yeah, so Which, we were just in Asia uh, doing textile sourcing, and I found the right the right supplier that had the right yarn. We were able to do the same, very similar to product to what we, we make today, but do it in a width that's appropriate for lamination. So there was all these parameters they had to meet, and we were able to develop that over there. And it looks like we're going to be able to make it into one of our three-layer laminates for 19. Yeah, one of the things that we've been able to do over I don't know, four or five years is uh, improve our printing of nylon. So nylon is traditionally printed as, a, as a, it's called wet print. And so that's a, an, an expensive process and not everybody can do it. Um, but nylons, just the inherent properties of nylon really make them suitable for, for hunting garments, right? They don't really absorb water. They're really durable. You can get them really lightweight, but to print them, is difficult. So in the mountain sports space, they don't use camouflage. So to have something solid, relatively easy, you have kind of the world at your fingertips. But we've had to develop our wet print capability so that we could bring these kind of one of a kind type textiles to the hunting community that were printed, you know, and met our our standards for that. So because that's a that's a unique problem with printing different different textiles and having the, all the textiles be the same look when you put it on. The soft shells the same as the pants, which are completely different, different right. textiles. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I think when I got here, we were finishing 2016 product, and and the textile tested great as a solid. Like it, it the durability was there. You know, the it was adequately quiet. All those things we were looking for. And as soon as we printed it, it got kind of sandpaper rough, made a bunch of noise. All of a sudden, it started pilling. And you don't know that until you print it. So we learn from that. And, and again, it's it's cost up front that you may not necessarily see on the back end all the time. But as soon as we start selecting our textiles like we are for 2019, we immediately start what we call strike-offs. Like we need to make sure they can print. We need to make sure the properties of the textile don't change. We need to make sure that it looks good. And with the hope that, you know, out of, say, we print three for one garment, that one of those is going to work and move forward. So, what you know, textiles. There's a lot of uh, hype in the industry right now about different textiles and which one's better and which one's this. Um, you guys, were, you and I have had this conversation a while back that it depends on what you're trying to get with it, and you have a list of things that you want that textile to do, and these are more important than these. How do you, is there a giant process for that? It just seems like that seems like something you guys. Uh, it seems like a giant headache, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring Eric in, in on this, but because um, he's really the one that does a lot of the yeoman's work, him and a, a couple other folks. But, you know, as a, as a product manager, we sit there and write a design brief. Or in, in the case that you and I are talking, I, we, I write a textile brief and say, this is what I'm looking for in this textile. So the person that goes to Asia doesn't necessarily know that it's going into a pan or a jacket, but it's like this, these are the parameters that I'm looking for. Now go scour the globe and find them. Um, and, and 
we have access to, you know, we have access to every, there's, there's no limitations on what we can look at, use, test. Um, and so we send these folks out to include Eric to kind of scour, you know, the globe, so to speak, to find what we want. And, uh, you know, and if we don't find it, yeah, then we'll, we'll try to create it. Like so you, in the case of this laminate. So you're not limited to the textiles that Gore the hats. You're you're not limited by any of that. So you could you could use any textile in the world, and you, the ones you use are chosen on purpose. Yep. Yeah. The the only the only quote textiles that Gore has are Gore-Tex laminates or windstopper membranes. Um, every other, you know, like a face textile that goes on it or any textile that goes into a pant or a shirt, like we, we have access to everything in the world. So, you know, I've got books down there from, you know, Every Mill, Everest and ASF and Torre and all those places. Like I have, I have access to every one of them and we choose the ones that we feel uh, fit our criteria really. And, you know, we don't look at, so when you start a development, cause we're kind of geeks, you know, we don't look at the price or anything like that. We look at, will it perform to, to the spec that we want? And then, you know, if it's expensive, then it's expensive. And if it's not, it's not. But we use, I think, we arguably the finest textiles in the world. Yeah, we, and we, I mean, we were just in, you know, Vietnam, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, developing anything from yarn to textile. And up until this year, even on the door side, we were... On the Gore side, we were limited to what Gore would offer us. This is the first year we're actually bringing them one of our textiles to laminate. And that's taking it to a whole other level internally. Like now we're, we're actually creating our own Gore-Tex product, which until this year, we, could, we haven't that's done that. That's we're, we're, we're never satisfied. Like, you know, I mean, you and I are geeky archers, right? Mm -hmm. And like you're, never, like, you're never satisfied with anything. You're constantly testing, constantly just testing and tweaking and, and all that. And it's the same way, you know, within this office, again, not, not to tease you too much, but you know, there's a, there's a product coming out in 2018 that, you know, we, we couldn't find what we wanted. So Eric and the team basically built this textile from the ground up. So when this product comes out, that textile is literally a one of a kind in the world. Um, you know, we, we created that to fit the use profile that, that we wanted for this particular garments and use. Oh, that's so wild. Yeah, the, I love all the next level testing. And I know you guys test a bunch in the field, but that's so cool to hear about those rooms and testing for sound. Sound is so important to bow hunters, the way it, uh, you had a bunch of different terms for it, but the way it rubs against grasses and rocks and makes noise, you know, that's a big deal for guys. So to be able to test that in a, in a soundproof room to see how many decibels you're getting out of that piece of clothing, that's really next level. And it looks like you guys will go to any length to build the best gear possible yeah actually that's a great idea like in our soundproof little chamber we can we could actually add rock or type of rock or type of grass and actually see when it's rustling and crumpling what it's actually doing to other environmental or um other things in the environment rocks trees limbs whatever and that's i think that's a great idea well and then for this year i, I think i'm going to take it one step farther because this broom closet is just big enough <laughs> but, but, I, but I want to go in there with the garments on and then I want to draw my bow yeah and I want to go in there with the garments on and I want to step up and down on the step and 
and and just try to validate, right? Because sound is, I mean, we hear it quite a bit, but it, it's it's perception, right? Like what I consider quiet enough, you may not. Um, and so just to have some data to back us up, like, well, are we really crazy or, you know, is this quiet enough? Um, you know, we're always looking to up our game and, you know, our consumer is very discerning, right? And, and they should be. Um, and, and so we expect to kind of live up to that. But, you know, if, if you were to, because I know you don't live too far away, Brian, but if you yes. want to come over for, for lunch sometime, um, me and Eric are two of the goofiest hikers you will ever see uh, on the M Trail or one of these local trails at lunch. Um testing products. So our designer, our lead designers right here in Bozeman and uh, guy's unbelievable and he can build anything. Like he could build a Gore-Tex jacket and sell it like on the shelf. You would think it was made in an Asian factory, but, um, but anyway, so we were in the process right now of this down selective textiles. Uh, what I found is the best way to, to truly vet, so to speak, a fabric's performance, be it durability, breathability, et cetera, whatever it is, is to to try them in comparison to something else. So either an incumbent or two new textiles. And so what Richard does for us is we'll take two or three or four textiles and we'll make what's called split garments. And so we have a standard pant block and a standard shirt block, and he'll make a pair of pants and you know, one side of the pants, say the left leg will be one textile and the right leg will be a different textile. And the right arm of the shirt will be different from the left. And unfortunately, just because you have no control over the color of these textiles when they come from the mill, like we're like, I, I literally look like I'm Dr. Seuss or something. <laughs> like, like what do we have those like bright kind of pinkish red pants yep. one time and it was contrast with the brown leg. Like I'm going to post some pictures of some of the stuff in the ascent testing now that it's kind of done, but I mean, we're out there and people are looking at us and they're just like, you know, one arm's camouflage and one arm's yellow and, you know, legs are just, and you're just, but it's the only way on that day with your physiology, the environmental conditions and, and the, the, you know, whatever you're doing to directly sit there and compare and contrast and go, my left leg's warmer than my right or my right leg's drier than my left or, you know, how long does it take to dry when I get back to the trailhead? Like that's the only way to really compare things to kind of down select. Um, and see if it's meeting the criteria that you want it to meet. So, oh, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're probably not getting Eric many dates on the trail or anything <laughs> like that. But, uh, no, uh, I'm glad. He, he, and I, he and I are both happily married for a long time, and that's good because I definitely would not be getting it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress real quick. I want to talk about who you guys are, um, what you, what your background is, and, and why, why Sika – chose the best in the world to do what you guys are doing so so uh, yeah whoever wants to start so i i i came from the outdoor industry i worked for eastern mountain sports for a number of years um moved on to a company called jagged edge mountain gear in colorado for a number of years and then they were purchased by a company called russell outdoor or russell who had an outdoor brand and their brand was masio apparel and that's really how i got into the hunting world and that was 12, 12 or 13 years ago, um, and it's been, you know, ever since then, I haven't looked back. I still enjoy climbing and skiing and ice climbing and whatnot, but hunting has become the biggest passion in my life, um, other than my family and 
Yawning. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you weren't going to be on that. <laughs> what, so you, is this something you were schooled in? So yeah, I went, so I went to school for uh, apparel design. Um, uh, also, also ma- not majored in, but it was also the program I was in was textile development and apparel design. So I'm kind of like John was talking about our, um, our the textile part of, of State Kid War. Um, there's a woman in in um, Maryland who does. She's a textile engineer. I'm kind of like the middleman. I help interpret what John wants into a hunting scenario. John wants durable. <laughs> yeah, John wants quiet. Um, and, and and work with her because of my knowledge and background. I understand the hunting side, but I also understand the textile side. Where she'll come up with something durable, show it to John without kind of the interpretation part. It won't be quiet enough, or it won't be this. Like I can't wear it. a tank. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my background, you know, I, I got a, I graduated college and started working for Eastern Mountain Sports as a product developer, and been working in apparel pretty much since I left college. That's awesome. You have almost done this 20 years. There's better. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not trying. I'm trying not to age you. <laughs> Yeah, at least, at least 20 years. <laughs> so this company's a great fit then. You're oh, super happy. You're oh, in Bozeman, yeah. huh? This is, you know, it was, it was hard to get my wife to want to move. We came from the East Coast. Her family's there. My family's there as well. But getting us to move from where we live, we love. We lived in Lake Placid, New York. It was beautiful. Great family, great friends. But when I saw this job posted, I was like, this is it. This is the company I really want to work for. And it's a perfect position for someone like me. And they uh, they agreed, so that's been happy four or five years ever since then. So, God, so cool. And uh, so, and you, John, where did you come from? Where's your background? So, uh, I was in the Navy for 26 years, and 15 of those were working with special operations troops. And basically, we were training people to kind of live and move through the mountains efficiently, survive on their own. Um, kind of uh, unsupported, you know, navigation, survival, uh, basic backpacking, and then we would combine all the tactics, right? So guys would go to Afghanistan to be able to to kind of fight and live and move like they needed to. And so uh, a, a big portion of that was, you know, after 9-11, um, unfortunately, the, the U.S. really didn't have um, – uh, a training protocol and, and the equipment to kind of go with it so these guys could go to these, you know, uh, high mountains in, uh, in, uh, in Asia and that. So um, we got together with some of the best outdoor mountaineering brands, technical mountaineering brands uh, in the space and, and started developing clothing, uh, backpacks, sleeping bags, boots, socks, you name it. Um, and so, so that kind of started my uh, product development, product management uh, pedigree. And it was great because we had access to these folks. And so I got to learn from some of the best designers and developers. But it, w- it went a step further because it wasn't just theory. So we would, we would take these products that we were developing. We would go out in the field um, and test them to see if it met the criteria, which was extremely, extremely high, the, the, the bar we set for these products. Um, and, and then once we got it where we wanted, then we took it one step further and we and we were able to teach. You know, I think I have right about 3,000 people I taught in my time to use it. And so what was so great about that was 
you know, you not only saw it from inception, but you got to develop the training and then teach people. And then that feedback loop of seeing how they used it, common mistakes, uh, maybe something that, that you assumed was, you know, on a, on a mass scale, not, um, not, not so apparent. And so you would continue to tweak. And so it was such an amazing, uh, uh, environment to, to, to live in. I mean, literally for 15 years, I was paid to, to do everything that we're talking about and that, you know, we love so much. Um, and so really the, you know, you know, teaching a, teaching a guy to, you know, does this sound familiar? Teaching a guy to be able to walk into an unfamiliar mountainous environment and hunt things, right. And live unsupported and leave the mountains when, when they want to, not when mother nature necessarily dictates, um, is, is the backcountry hunter. And so what was so cool was, you know, I just took those skills and I was living in Alaska at the time. And so then I would just go on, I'd go on a seven day sheep hunt. I'd go on a, on a bear hunt or a, a deer hunt or whatever it was, you know? And, and so I was able to take those lessons and kind of morph them into hunting. And so I've been with Sitka almost three years now. So I guess 18 years I've been doing the, the product management development uh, design kind of I'm, I'm a jack of all trades master. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you didn't kill Todd Helms in the icy rivers. I, I tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really cool that uh, uh, you guys did that test in the river, uh, the rewarming drill. Uh, it was really interesting, both the article and then the video segment of it. That was really cool. Yeah, you know, and I, I get questions on that. Um, you know, people are like, well, I'm never going to do that. Well, probably not. I hope you're not. Right. But, you know, Brandon is going to go on a moose hunt in Alaska. And if, you know, if you think you're not going to get wet on an unsupported moose hunt in Alaska, like you're crazy. And so do you want to be efficient? Do you want to be safe? Do you want to, you know, be capable of maximizing your time and, and hopefully, you know, leading to success of harvesting something like th those are lessons that, that anybody can learn. And so, you know, we jumped in the frozen icy river, which is what we used to teach up in Alaska to spe uh, special operations guys. But the reality is, if I can do that, if we can do that, and it was fun and dramatic and, and you know, and I think everybody, you know, should understand the capability of their, of their clothing system. But if, if we can do that, and I think in 37 minutes, I dried my base layer in the, in the Kelvin active jacket I was wearing. If I can do that in 37 minutes from completely submerging in a slicey river, like if I hike to the top of a mountain and get on a ridge and start to glass, why would I possibly take off a base layer? to put another base layer on when I can just put a little puffy on and dry it out in five minutes. And so those are the really the day-to-day -day lessons that, that hopefully people understand and learn and that, you know, a, a, a high level technical clothing system, that's, that's kind of performance it delivers. And so, you know, one of the analogies I use is you give your, you know, 16 year old son, right? The keys to the Porsche and, you know, the kid thinks it's awesome. Cause it's got three speeds, three gears. And it's like, no kid, it's got six gears and it'll go 200 miles an hour. And so it's like the Porsche really doesn't have a lot of value to you if you only go up to third gear. But if you go to sixth gear, oh man, and get that thing cornering, like all of a sudden you're like, wow, I am really getting the value out of this system. This is an unbelievable thing. This, this is, you know, really, uh, able to up my game. Like, that's what I want to do. I want people, no matter what they wear, I want them to make sure that they have it on, that it works for them. They understand how it works and then it works as a system. 
Well, and, and that was the most extreme test, but you're right. A, a moose hunt in Alaska, if you think you're not going to be wet, you're kidding yourself. You're you, kidding yourself. Yeah, and it, and it happens quick, but you have to have that knowledge of how to rewarm yourself right. back up. And so, um, yeah, and whether that's sweat climbing up the mountain or whether it's rainstorms that come in, um, but that's really cool, your background. And I, I like what you said. You're also um, – it, it's teaching that knowledge of how to use that system as, as well. You can have good gear, but knowing how to use that to its full potential is a big part of that too. Yeah, we you know we all know the dope of our rifle and the, and the pin gap on our bow, and you know we break in our boots, and then but the the first kind of level, uh, the first the first you know protection you have to your body, like we just take you know people are going to listen to me and take it at face value that I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go buy sick gear. Like I want them to try it. I want them to use it. I want them to understand because you know everybody's. A little different they hunt in different areas they hunt different styles their physiology is different like you know they should build a system that that suits them and then understand how it works so you know god forbid they do get in a life you know in death situation that that they can get themselves out of it yeah you're so right well and i as i sit with these eastman guys it looks like you're walking in a basketball team everywhere i walk in with them and i, <laughs> I i'm like the point guard but we our bodies just work differently <laughs> you know do. i'm they small do. i'm 150 pounds wet and, and wearing boots you know and and uh, these guys are bigger guys and so it all reacts different but i like how technical it is i like how technical the layering system is that you use that you guys stand by it's a it's a mountaineering system and i love the lightweight and then the fabrics, uh, again, in the design, you guys have just done such a good job with it. Just performed so well in so many different environments, from Hawaii to Alaska to Montana, from early season to late season. And I think it's really cool that you've added all these pieces to your line. Yeah, I think it's all like, a, like you said, what we're doing for 18 and 19, we're adding to it, we're making it better, improving things, creating things that you haven't seen yet. So it's ever-evolving. Yeah, oh. the, the team kind of feeds off each other, you know, and as the team grows a little bit, like the, it, the energy just continues to spin. and It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool work environment. Yeah, it's way cool. Well, you guys have uh, uh, really have a good staff, too. And, and I like that you guys take ideas, like I said before, from the bottom to the top. You're just looking to make the best gear out there. Um, taking a lot of testing in the field. You know, I know you have field testers. We were talking about that a little bit. Um, but that's what it takes to build quality gear, you know, 37 different times to get your pattern right. You know, that's why it's next level stuff. But it's just amazing what you guys are doing here. It's amazing how many shades of tan there are. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come to realize when I'm starting to make people mad, I'm on to something. Because yeah. that means I'm taking my time. It's taking a while. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you really take your time and develop it then. Yeah, I mean. You know, we will we will start a development process, and you know, there's there's we're not perfect every time. So there's things that that we start, and we may kill within a couple months, or we may kill right before production because we're just not happy with it. And you know, the the only expectation really placed on us by the business is to make the best hunting gear the world's ever seen. And uh, and if we do that, then you know, we feel that it'll sell, and people will be happy, and they'll and they'll come back and and okay. uh, so that that's pretty liberating right from a development standpoint to to really just say have at it boys and girls and, yeah and you guys are growing exponentially right i mean just we, the time we were here this time last year and it seemed like this place was half the size yeah it's it's pretty staggering i, I you know kind of on the inside looking out now it doesn't seem as um 
kind of staggering. But so two and a half, almost three years ago, I was employee number 15 in the Bozeman office. Now we've got a few people, you know, like the textile lady we talked about or a woman in Hong Kong that helps us. But in Bozeman, I was number 15 almost three years ago. And I think we're going to be 25 by the end of this year um, to where we're, we're outgrowing the building. Um, but we know we need people, we need help, but the passion is really what, you know, keeps Eric at work till six o'clock on a Friday or coming in on a Saturday. Um, but, you know, we'd rather hire the, the right people than hire a bunch of people really fast. And so um, as the team grows, we're able to get a little more bandwidth, a little more mind space. And I mean, it's exciting just for us to think about, you know, kind of down in the basement, so to speak, where product development is like where we could potentially take this. Um, and, and I say this, I've said this a few other times and it sounds dramatic. It's kind of cool, but I'll say it again. But I mean, literally there's products that, that, that we've developed and, and started to create that the world's just not ready for. And what I mean by that is you got a time um, machine in the basement, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but you know, they're 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 not the they're not ready for the technology. It's too big a leap too fast, or you know, it's just so incredibly expensive, like nobody would ever pay for it. Um, or you know, we, we have to we have to crawl, walk, run and, and kind of bring people along with us on this journey um, to kind of launch some some of these products. So 2019. You know, right now it's pretty early, but it, it's fixing up to be where there's some really cool things that people just haven't seen before, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. There's a few of those in 18, too. Yeah. Heck, I think there's some in 17. Some of that stuff I got is just incredible. Yeah, so impressed by it. Yeah. Um, no, I can tell how much thought and how many years have gone into making it, everything from start to finish, just the way it's designed from the pockets to the zippers to the sound of it to the pattern, uh, the fabric. So just super impressed. And you guys got some good hunts coming up. So, so John, you're a diehard bow hunter. Um, and, and you too, Eric? Yeah, bow hunt. Yeah, nice. And so you guys were talking about an antelope hunt you guys have coming up, huh? A little uh, Wyoming, hopefully. Nice. A draw comes out Thursday, right? Yeah. yeah, we're all crossing our fingers. Well, good. So you guys got some good hunts coming up, and that's probably got to be pretty fun around the office come hunting season, huh? Uh, that's probably the only time you're not going to find any, but, well, two, two times, <laughs> trade show season and in September. Yeah. yeah, there is nobody here in September. Or August 1st. Yeah, August 1st. So. Again, Nevada Antelope Hunt. August 1st. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah awesome. They built them big in Nevada, too. I'll find out. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. oh, how cool. Well, and that's the way a hunting company should be, is around September, there isn't anybody there. So I'm sure the Eastman's is going to give me the whole month off at least. Right? <laughs> you better get to work. <laughs> but that's really cool. Well, it's really cool to sit down with you guys and hear more about the company and learn more about the company and, and what goes into it. It's just, a, it blows my mind to know everything you guys are putting in to build us this quality gear. And, and it is, it's about... You know, the longer you can stay in a place and survive in a place and be comfortable, the longer you can glass for, the more opportunities you can create. It, it's such a, a major piece to our backcountry bow hunting puzzle. And so with you guys working so hard, I can rest assured that, you know, I'll be able to spend 10 days in the mountains and, and survive in the gear I have. So it's really neat what you guys are doing here. Yeah, no, 10, 20, whatever. 
You can yeah. 20 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. East Spencer's nice. giving me the whole month off, so I'm good to go. <laughs> so, no, it's really nice to meet you, Eric. Really nice to meet you, John. I really enjoyed our lunch and, and conversation in here. Yeah, so thanks a bunch, fun. guys. It's been fun. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, fun episode with John and Eric from Sitka. Uh, thanks to those guys for being on, and and uh, thanks for Sitka for sponsoring the podcast, just building uh, great gear, uh, just so impressed with their camo pattern, with their fit, uh, with the materials they're using. Uh, so just building great gear and a great company. So make sure to give them some love. And uh, yeah, over there at Eastman's, we're just all busy with our hunts. We're just right in the heart of the season right now and, and things are going good. I, I was just recording the intro for this podcast. I'm getting ready to leave to Idaho uh, tomorrow with my good buddy, Dan. He's going to film for me and and I uh, just got a message, Dan killed an antelope on the way down here. So uh, he's taking care of that and going to meet me down here. So that's really cool. Good for him. I know he's been after him hard. And and uh, I've been helping my buddy Clan out here. And he's been hunting him hard. He's down to his final day. So we'll see if we can't get him an antelope and, and maybe record a podcast with us three tonight about antelope hunting and kind of our trials and tribulations we've been through to to try to harvest uh two you know hopefully three antelope if clint can get her done tonight so he's he's been so close you know it's just western hunting isn't perfect you know you you've always got wind or the buck knows you're there or you know you draw back and he takes a couple steps and it it just isn't easy to to harvest one of these things so um good luck to him i hope he gets her done today and and uh, yeah, I just can't wait to get down to Idaho and get this get this thing rolling on uh, mule deer. Um, so some early season velvet mule deer. We're gonna hunt some high country. Also got some desert units. So we're just gonna travel and and see where the the trip leads us and just get into some deer and and start getting after them. So really fun time of year. Starting to see your guys's pictures come through. I I uh, saw a picture from a buddy Justin that I've been in contact with through the podcast. And man, he just killed a monster in Colorado and. And uh, guys are getting good bucks, and and uh, Kip Fowler, I recorded a podcast with him the other night, and then two, three days later, he killed a really nice buck out of Utah, and so just really fun to see everybody's success and and, and doing well out there. So um, hope you guys have the best of luck this season and, and get into some good animals and hope you got some, some good adventures coming up. Um, as always, thanks a bunch for all the support with the podcast and, and, uh, bearing with me as I figure out this, the, the quality audio as I think I've got everything dialed in now. So, uh, really feeling good about things there and, and, and thanks for all the support on uh, social media and, and, uh, reviews on iTunes and, and, uh, just, I, I really appreciate it guys. Um, you're the one that ones that make this podcast work. So, um, wish you all the, all the best luck this season and, and, uh, Boy, keep at it and keep hunting hard. Uh, come together in just a a moment, you know. You just um, you just got to keep believing and keep going hard. So uh, have fun, hunt hard, guys, and I'll check in with you guys next week.